Screen West Screen with Paul and Kevin, where if films were food, they'd be full of it. Everybody and welcome back to another episode of East Screen West Screen. It is Tuesday, February twenty first, two thousand and twelve, and this is episode ninety nine. Uh, after this, we will be into triple digits. This is the show where we talk about film from Hong Kong to Hollywood and lots of stuff in between. As usual, I'm your host Paul Fox, and joining me from some place here in the Fragrant Harbor as well is Mr. Kevin Ma. Hello, everybody. Hello, Paul. Uh, how are you? All right, not too bad. Not too bad. Uh, it's been nightmarishly busy uh as you know i haven't been able to come out to a movie night for quite some time i haven't seen you since you know before chinese new year i've just been so swamped with work and school and everything yeah i Um, remember what was the last bad movie i saw you at i want to say speed angels or no the magician the great magician great magician yeah great great magician um so yeah I'm, i'm you know i really i'm looking forward to going out i'm I'm kind of having a rough time with this study program I'm in. Uh, some of my classmates are not really happy with it. We're we're thinking about maybe, maybe having an exodus from the program. I'm still kind of on the fence about that, though. It's not really turned out to be what we were expecting, uh, but that's neither here nor there. I would like you to tell us and the listeners about your movie night experience last week, because apparently you had a little bit of a minor guest slash celebrity join you guys. Minor? How dare you call this this guest minor? <laughs> yes, um, last week by some chance, uh, because of um, certain connections apparently uh, of one of the movie group night uh, movie night group members, um, Mr. Ian Powers uh, joined us for uh, movie night last week. Uh, and if you don't know Mr. Powers, you probably do actually, because he's been in films such as um, Charlie Foot, uh, Contract Lover. Uh, future ex-cops. He is the bald um, Caucasian man that you always that kind of jumps out at you whenever you watch a, a, a Chinese language film. So yes, he joined us for movie like last night. I mean last week, and um, we we talked about some of the movies he's been in. And actually, he's a generally very funny guy. I mean, he knows about the movies he's been in, um, and he he actually likes to joke about them quite quite a lot. Uh, we talked about Charlie Foot, of course, and also. Um, uh, how Wang Jing directed Tang um, Yifei in Future X Cops and how nice Richie Ren is and things like that. And yeah, it's a, it, it, it was a really great experience. Mm. Um, and we're very happy because he, he's apparently now in Hong Kong doing some animation work. And he's going to be around Hong Kong because his wife is also in Hong Kong. Now. His wife also joined us. Uh, and they're going to be in Hong Kong for a while. So mm. in the future, if you have a chance, I hope we can... Um, I hope I have more stories from Mr. Powers or, you know, even bring him on the show and have him talk about being yeah. in Chinese cinema as, that, a, as a Caucasian male. That would be excellent to sort of get his perspective and, as, um, you know, uh, working in, in the cinema from the outside. And he did assure me that um, Darren Shalavi, the man who played Mr. Twister in Man 2, is nothing like Mr. Twister. So I'm very <laughs> relieved. 
Well, I, I'm, you know, I'm hoping that Mr. Powers is nothing like the X Man. You know, from actually, we we asked him with our experience. We we're like, "Hey, you know, um, you know, your voice is in the movie," and he's like, "Yeah." Um, he said that he was actually doing work, uh, in that same building when they were dubbing the lines for Charlie Foot, and then he went upstairs, and then he saw these guys were recording the line. They walked w- recording the lines, and he walked in there. And he's like, "Hey, what's up?" Uh, you guys are what are you guys doing? You guys are doing the voices. Uh, do you, do you want me to dub him? And they're like, no, no, it's okay, it's okay. <laughs> and then and they sent him off. That's so, and so weird. What happened, <laughs> yes. So what happened was, uh, yeah. And then he actually even set the line. He's like, I saw myself going, you know, don't look too close. You have a nightmare, but it's not me. My voice. Oh, <laughs> so, uh, that's too funny. Oh no. Yes, yeah, so uh, Mr. Powers, uh, Ian is a, is a very nice guy, and he's very, he has a very much a sense of humor. He knows the quality of the movies he's in. So, yeah, uh, he's, he, it was a good experience. It was a great experience. So, so I'm, I'm curious, you know, one, how does he know Darren Shalabi? Is there like a union for Caucasians who work in Hong Kong cinema? Well, the thing is, they, uh, they all, I think they, <clears throat> I think there's a very small circle mm. of um, martial arts actors who are Caucasian and work in Chinese cinema. Mm. So, I mean, the, the competition is probably quite heavy up there already, but I'm guessing they kind of have a network yeah. or they kind of know each other somehow. But, yeah, I mean, he, he said that, you know, Shulabi is a very nice guy and um, those at Richie Ren is a very nice guy. And, you know, he, he has he seems to have a very positive um, experience in the film industry. Yeah. So, you know, good for him. Well, I mean, if we learned anything from, what was it, uh, Legendary Amazons or, or 14 Amazons last year, it's that Richie Ren is a nice guy, right? Yes. Um, he'd have to be a nice guy to play in that movie. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, that's an interesting experience, and you know, hopefully, we'll we'll have uh, more contact with him through movie nights, and and uh, have some interesting stories to tell listeners. And if we're lucky, maybe we'll get him here on the show. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, Keanu Reeves is is going to be in town in March. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's going to be teaching a master class in Hong Kong International Film Festival. So. Let's let's work out Facebook magic, people, and see when you get Mr. Keanu Reeves to come to a movie night with us. Whoa, that would be like, whoa, (laughs) whoa! What is this? What is this gambling movie? Wow! Ah, too much fun. All right, shall we move on and talk about some news? Yes. Yes. Kenneth in the chat room says bogus. (laughs) <laughs> bogus indeed. <laughs> bogus. Uh, it was bogus like that we never we never got a third Bill and Ted's movie. I mean, that, that that was bogus. We that needed to be a trilogy, right? Um, what about Reloaded was Bill and Ted's three. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was either that or um, the the Korean movie remake, The Lake House, right? Uh, one one of those two, because I think that I think that. You know, the lake house has a little bit of time travel in it. Well, sorry, a little bit of spoilers there, but um, all right. So we've got a couple news stories. Not nothing really major this week. Um, just a couple things to things to talk about. The first, I don't know. So a lot of people probably already know this. I'm not somebody who's like really up to date on the latest happenings. Um, you know, unlike Kevin, who makes it a point to get out there and and scan the news sites and really find out interesting stuff that's going on, I tend to be a little bit late to the party. Um, but as I was doing some of the show notes for this week's show, uh, I stumbled across uh, a, a website for Phoenix Wright, the movie. Now, Phoenix Wright, if you don't know uh, who he is, he's a lawyer in a video game series for 
Um, I guess it was um, maybe an early incarnation of a handheld DS or something. Um, but I got I got them on the Nintendo DS, and I love them. They're these like amazing little interactive games where you go and you you dig up evidence and you take the evidence to court and and you basically have a you know it's like watching an episode of Ally McBeal in some ways you're sitting there and you you're, you're trying to present the evidence and make your case and the the thing about the characters is that they're very stylized in terms of um the art direction has a very specific look phoenix has this really wacky hairdo um, and so when I saw that they're doing a live action movie of this coming out of Japan, I was like, oh, I've got to see it. I'm, 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 you know, I'm super excited for it. It looks cheesy as anything. Um, but that's what, you know, the game is, is kind of based on. So, uh, Phoenix, Wright, The, the movie live action movie, if you're a fan of the video game, this is something that you might want to have, uh, on your radar. I don't know if this is going to come to Hong Kong. Um, I would think it would eventually get some kind of international release because i mean phoenix Wright is a popular game it has been i think there are in total four versions that have been translated over into english uh three of which i think are phoenix Wright, and one is like uh his successor i can't remember his name um so you know it's it's a it's a game that's done fairly well in western markets so i i have to think that the movie might get some playtime. Um, or at the very least a release, you know, with English subs on Amazon or something. Uh, Kevin, I, I'm assuming you haven't played the Phoenix Wright games. What, what, no, what, what are your uh, thoughts on this? No, I'm not a big gamer. Um, but the film did get a, actually it had its world premiere in Rotterdam, I think, at the Rotterdam Film Festival. So, and it's directed by Takashi Miike. Uh, so the Miike name itself should at least get it some festival play. Um, I don't expect it to come to the upcoming uh, Hong Kong International Film Festival because I think his uh, Mikke's another Mikke movie is already playing there. Um, but since uh, even Ninja Kids, his last film, um, came to Hong Kong at the Hong Kong International Film Festival, I think we should expect to play at least, get some festival play around the world. Mm. Um, but as for commercial release, I mean, Ninja Kids is a very popular franchise. I mean, that's Nintama. Ninja, it's about the, the ninja, the kids who are ninjas. I'm sorry, I sound obvious. But it's actually on Hong Kong television. It's a very popular series. And even that never got a proper theatrical release here in Hong I Kong. I don't know. What was the other one I liked? Um, Yatterman? That one, Yatterman. That, yes. that didn't get Yatterman theatrical here either. Went straight to video. Yeah. Uh, even despite the, the presence of a very popular idol, um, a member of a very popular idol group. Yeah. So, yeah, me, these, these films, it's kind of hit and miss. Um, but at least we will have a chance to see it here in Hong Kong through some, I'm sure, some kind of festival play because of both, and, and elsewhere because of Mikke's name, if not the game. Yeah. So, right. I mean, that's that's for sure. But it did it opened in Japan two weeks ago and actually didn't do very well. Really? It opened um, in fifth place and fell further behind this past weekend. So it's kind of, um, it was kind of a little disappointment considering that Mikke has done so well as a, game adaptation slash you know commercial director mm. uh, on that mode so it's, it's a little disappointing for 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 Mickey fans and i think even um uh the studio who who, who distributed the film but yeah well, i mean still i mean again with the pedigree the pedigree of Mickey and popularity popularity of game i'm sure it'll go somewhere yeah and there's a there's actually a youtube uh version of the trailer that has been subtitled um that that i'll post in the show notes i've already posted it up on Twitter and Google Plus. And I, I, you know, I just think it looks great. I was telling Kevin before the show that 
even if it comes to Japan or comes to Hong Kong and doesn't have English subtitles, uh, which is it's kind of like a hit or miss because a lot of times they'll bring a movie over, but they won't bother to put um, English subtitles on it. Sometimes they will. We got lucky with what was it, Gantz? They yeah. did, but there there have been a couple. Um, what, what was the one about the space uh, D- Detroit Canada. Metal City or? Is it Detroit Metal City also did not yeah, get that, English subs. That yes. didn't get English subs when it got released. Um, yeah, sometimes it's, it's just whether they want to or they can. It, or it's cannot. really hit or miss. But yes. I was, you know, I'd go like Yamato, you know, I, Space Battleship Yamato. I, I'm there for this. Even if it doesn't have the subs, I'll, I'll sit through it. I mean, the, the trailer looks basically like the first video game. And so I already kind of know some of the plot from that. So I think it'd be fine to uh, to work my way through it with uh, Chinese subtitles and very limited Japanese. Um, Matthew in the chat room, he says it was the first on the Game Boy and the DS. He says the first one is also on iOS now. So there you go, Mr. Ma. You have right. an iOS device, 99 yes, cent app maybe, and or, you know, 299. Give it a go. Okay. Objection. So Objection. <laughs> Yikinari. <laughs> All right. Uh, another little bit of local news. Now, we might have touched on this last week. Did we talk about Henry Tang last week? I I, I don't. No, remember. no, we didn't. But I did do a, a blog entry about this last yeah. Friday. So last uh, Hong Kong is getting ready to go through an election for the next chief executive. The current chief executive's term is up, and there are a couple people running for the the chief executive, which is the top government position. It's kind of like the president, but nowhere near as powerful. Um. But it it is the topmost government position in Hong Kong and has considerable ties to, you know, foreign countries and anytime there's any kind of foreign dignitary coming or foreign policies that are that are being dealt with Hong Kong, that's the person that deals with it and has obviously has a very close relationship with Beijing. Now we don't get that there's no full democracy here in Hong Kong. Um, if you're not clear on the legal system, we have things like, you know, supposedly free press, supposedly free speech, but people don't get to vote for the chief executive. The chief executive is appointed by different groups, like some of the tycoons get a vote, different different groups and in different industries get a vote, but the, the people themselves don't get a vote. A committee of 1,200 people, to yeah. be exact, yes. Uh, um, and the, this one gentleman, Henry Tang, is was, was and I guess he kind of still is, the favored candidate. And he's been embroiled in a scandal because he has an illegal basement, basically. Um, and it's been this huge media ordeal for the for the past, you know, almost two weeks now um, about, oh, yeah, why, why does he have this basement? He's not supposed to have it. It's illegal. How did he get it done? And who's responsible? You know, they're trying to say his, it's his wife's fault now. And um, I can explain this. Yes. Yeah, he, he, he's he's he's. He, I, in my mind, he hasn't shown very good leadership on the whole issue. Uh, he hasn't really proven himself to be capable of a leader through the way he's handled this issue. But the interesting thing that's happened is, even though people don't get a vote, they still have a lot to say about the issue. And so one of the memes or one of the trends that's come up is that people have been taking Mr. Tang and reworking movie posters um, to comment on the nature of this issue. And I've seen, I've got to say, at least half a dozen or more uh, different movie posters, some current, some from older movies, that are 
They'll take his face, they'll Photoshop it into the movie poster, they'll change the title of the movie poster. My favorite example that I've seen so far, and I'll put some of these on, on, on the website in the notes section later, but my favorite one was um, where they, they combined him with the Ip Man poster, and they called it Beat Man, right? Which in, in, in Cantonese, I guess, basically means don't ask, right? Because he, you know, the thing is, he doesn't want to be asked questions about all this stuff. Um, but in English, you know, it, it, it kind of sounds similar to beat, like you're going to beat somebody too. So it's, it's an interesting play on words. Uh, have you seen any of these, Kevin? Oh, actually, if you read my blog, I posted 10 of these Did you? posters yeah. last week. Yes, um, I can explain. Actually, I can, and I put an explanation there as well. The, the thing about Henry Tang is that um, he's long been an enemy of my generation, the so-called post-80s generation, because he has a very antagonistic attitude about people's... Um, our attitude, my generation's attitude about the government, uh, especially when it comes to dissent against the government. Um, essentially, we we accuse the government of not helping my generation to get employment, to to um, to uh, own a home and things like that. And Henry Tang's attitude has been, um, well, you know, if you keep being so critical, um, then, you know, it, it all crumble. Or uh, once he said, well, young people should not think about why can't the government help them? Is why can't I be the next Li Ka Shing? That's his quote. Why can't they yeah. be, they should think about I, I remember, be the I remember him saying that. Yes. So he's long been an enemy. So it's, it's almost like my generation has been waiting for him to fail somehow. And Henry Tang has already been actually in um, in a, a scandal earlier, last late, late last year, uh, regarding extramarital affair. Uh, and at that point, his wife also came out and and like, oh, I forgive him. He's a good man. Blah 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 blah. So for him, the deal of the illegal basement is that uh, the government started cracking down these illegal basements in new territory homes. I'm not because you live in the around that territory, yeah. uh, so you should know. You and here, it's not a legal basement. It's sort of like the, the the law here is that if you have a village house, it can be three levels or three stories and no higher. But what some people do is they have a roof level, right? And they will build like they'll they'll put like um, an a aluminum cover, like, a walled-in aluminum cover, um, which basically gives them an, you know an, an extra level or half of a level because sometimes they'll do it you know halfway and leave half of the roof exposed, and these are considered illegal. Right. So then the government actually they started I think enforcing these laws, and they've also told. Many of their, pretty much all the officials, uh, to also you know take down their structure. So, um, when that crackdown began, they caught the media caught several officials with these illegal structures. And at that point, Henry Tang actually denied having one. So, at this critical period, in the middle of an election uh, or in the middle of his campaign, uh, it turns out that he was lying all along, and not only lying about having a legal structure, but having a two thousand square feet basement right under his pool that's supposed to hold a wine cellar a jacuzzi um uh, a small uh, a small theater a small theater yeah. yes so and then of course what he does when he got caught was that he pushed his wife out and said it's my wife's idea we had we had we were in uh my our marriage is in trouble so i didn't know anything about this 2000 square feet basement being built under my home and but i would take all the blame but it's my wife's idea so it, it's become this PR disaster for Henry Tang. Um, and so, yeah, it, it all kind of this perfect storm of, of screw-ups by this one man who just keeps screwing up. 
and that's that's pretty much explains why. And somehow doing one thing lead to another. You know, one poster, and then everyone started doing, and now it's they call it the Henry Tang Film Festival because people <laughs> have started. And actually, the name that the, one of the first uh, names that the people came, one of the first posters that people fixed was uh, the uh, aftershock poster. Yeah, because, I think you um, sent that one, right? You sent me yes, that one. Yes, Tong Tong Shang, Tong Shang. Um, yeah, aftershock took place in a city called Tong Shang, and Tong Shang in Cantonese sounds like Mr. Tang. So now they call it Mr. Tang's earthquake, yeah. and it puts Tang's face <laughs> on it. So actually, now that term, they they call this controversy Mr. Tang's earthquake, and they actually it's now in Wikipedia, Mr. Tang's earthquake. Uh, it's in the Chinese Wikipedia. So it, one thing led to another. It's this perfect store of controversy. I, I'm loving it because I mean I've never seen Hong Kong people this creative before. Yeah, it's so really. I mean, poster, it's um, and and that's the reason we're talking about it mostly is because it's really there's a lot of criticism there's a lot of you know political criticism that goes on all the time here people go out and protest and you mentioned the post 80s movement that's sort of like the, the the current generation of young people who are very heavily involved and some of them were involved in the things like the occupy central movement which was an extension of occupy wall street and and so they, there's a very active discourse but in this particular case for whatever reason it's just sparked this series of movie poster reconstructions you know uh with with and i don't think it's limited to just like hong kong and chinese films is it no there's a titanic one there's a cape number seven called york number seven because that's where his house is number seven york york link in, yeah. in common Tong. um and also because uh, last week when when the whole thing came out all the um news organization they actually rented cranes <laughs> yeah, outside his home. So there's a picture out there uh, with like the eight cranes that trying to take pictures of his garden, and someone photoshopped Bumblebee into it. <laughs> and then that's the little one where they photoshopped Gundam. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like the cranes are gonna turn into Transformers. Yeah, it, it's it's really this huge surge of creativity in Hong Kong. People. I've never seen this surge of creativity since I don't know the '80s '80s Hong Kong cinema. I think mm-hmm. <laughs> it's almost like so many people. People couldn't wait, or people just, you know, they held it in until now and finally come out. And, and you know, it's great. I think this just this, this is actually a, a very good, very promising for Hong Kong's cinema's future. I think I think Hong Kong's a future in satire if mm. you know the right people do do it. Yeah, I, I've got I've got to imagine that uh, a, a lot of this stuff that we're seeing now is going to be material in a coming Wong Jing film somewhere. Oh, definitely. Down Next the line. year's uh. This year's actually, actually even this year, um, this year's TVB, um, TVB New Year film where I made fun of Henry Tang because um, he, uh, a lot of nonsense said that he, this this stems from uh, a lot of nonsense said that Henry Tang looks like a pink. Mm. So um, when the media asked Tang about it, he said, "I was born the year of the dragon." So this this actually appeared. This joke appeared in um, in I Love Hong Kong 2012 when when someone said. Said to Eric Zhang, he's like, "Oh, you look like a pig," and he said, "I was born the year of the dragon." So it was, that was a dig on Henry Tang. And um, <laughs> in the in the legendary Amazon poster, it also says that the movie was was uh, is produced by Jilong, which is pig dragon. So you have to get these. <laughs> there's a lot of these little um, things that are pick up, and it, it's quite brilliant actually. I, I love. I, I'm loving this. Mm. I don't know about you, Paul, but I, I, they keep coming every day. Yeah, I wonder if this trend will, I don't know, catch on in the States, you know, where the people start putting like Newt Gingrich or Mitt Romney or Barack Obama into movie posters and remixing them as a form of criticism. <laughs> uh, we'll have to uh, keep keep our eyes peeled. For now, it's it's proving interesting things to talk about. 
Speaking of interesting things to talk about, why don't we move on and talk about some movies? So we've got one East screen film to talk about this week, and that is the latest from director Wong Jing, Mr. and, Mi- Mr. and Mrs. Gambler. This film stars Chapman Toe, Chapman Toe in the central role as the main character, a, a person who has a compulsive gambling addiction. A compuls- he's, a, he's a compulsive gambler. His life basically centers around gambling of all kinds, uh, betting on horse racing, betting on soccer matches, playing mahjong, uh, you know, playing card games. Um, and his life is really none the better for it, as, as he finds. Uh, he's, he's not somebody who wins quite a lot. And in fact, he, he often loses. He's often in debt um, to moneylenders. During one such event, uh, one day, he happens by chance to bump into, accidentally, a, a young woman named Flora, who's played by Fiona Seath, and the two instantly have a dislike for each other initially, um, because of you know the incident that occurs, but over time they find that they have similar habits, and she's a gambling addict too. And as push comes to shove, the two spend more and more time together. They gamble more together, and they end up getting married and having a child together. And so the story basically follows their relationship from the early days uh, to you know the the time where they get married, and then a bit later when they start to have some marital troubles. So this film, it starts off as pretty much a straightforward Wong, Wong Jing comedy, I would say. It's, I found it to be an enjoyable romp for the first two-thirds of the film. Um, you know, the, the gags are what you would expect in a Wong Jing film, maybe a little bit better than what he's done of late. Uh, I found myself laughing in, in quite a few places. Um, there are some things that, you know, he's done before. Um, so there's some stuff that's a little bit rehashed in, in some ways. But the two leads, Fiona and Chapman, I was surprised because I didn't think they would have chemistry together. Uh, when I saw the trailers for this and I, and I thought about the two of them together, I thought, I don't, I don't really know if that's going to work. Because in the past, we've seen her pretty much cast with younger actors, you know, people like uh, J.C. Chan or um, uh, who was the one from Break- Breakup Club? Uh, um jc chan also jc chan yeah i mean <laughs> basically you know cast across younger people chapman comes across as a little bit maybe mature um maybe just outside of her generation a little bit but still worked i don't know i i thought they had a good chemistry they had a good seemed to have a good rapport um in some of the scenes where the two of them are going back and forth um at each other uh seemed to, the timing between them seemed to work really well and uh i i enjoyed their chemistry together i wouldn't mind seeing them paired up again um it has a really good supporting cast um there's there's a, a lot quite a few you know fairly recognizable people the most recognizable is la ka ying who comes in to play uh chavento's father and he's probably got some of the best gags uh, you know as you would think he for for me, he's a scene stealer, typically, whenever he's on screen uh, in movies. The way he hams things up, um, it, he, he really makes a movie for me a lot of times. Even even a bad movie is just made better um, by some of the stuff that he does. Um, one of the things that was interesting in this film is that a couple times, and you see this in the trailer, Chapman Toe, um, he sort of hums the God of Gamblers theme, and then there's some actual music 
that comes up in a few places that's seeming like it's a riff off of the God of Gamblers theme, but it's not actually the God of Gamblers theme. I'm thinking, that's Wong Jing's movie. Doesn't he have the rights to to just, you know, throw the music in there if he wants to? Um, no, he doesn't. He, that, he, it's not his production company that did it. So actually, Wing, uh, the, 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 um, what was that company? What was that family? Um, yeah, it was Wings something. Wings, so Wins, Wins, um, uh, 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 um, the, the really famous, uh, Hearn, the Hearn family, the Hearn family actually owns Charles Hearn. Yes, yep. the Charles Hearn production company actually owns that, um, movie, yes. Ah, I see. And China Star, I think, yes. So he doesn't, you see, so I guess he can't just whip it out anytime he wants. Or he didn't want to buy the copyright, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. For some reason, it's okay to hum it. I don't know why it's okay to hum it. But well, yeah, he just not. hummed like a couple bars, you know. And, yeah, da, 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 da. yeah, I know, yeah. Um, and then they <laughs> kind of went off with some really lame uh, music that was attempting to be in that same vein, but was obviously not. Um, but, you know, it's it, it feels closer to a lot of 80s Wong Jing stuff than I've seen in a long, long time. And I, you know, I love... 80s period Wong Jing movies for the most part. I mean, I think that's when he did some of his best work. Um, you know, speaking of 80s movies, if you're interested, head over to lovehkfilm.com and they're actually having a pick the best films of the 80s poll going on right now. Um, which well, is kind of how I why I have, you know, Wong Jing 80s films on my mind because uh, a few of them made made them into my list. Um but yeah, this I, I felt this was a lot closer in terms of things like the production value, some of the gags, and um, at least some of the pacing in the first two-thirds of the movie. It gets really slow in the last third of the movie. It kind of shifts gears. The film makes a sudden jump uh, in time, um, particularly when the, the couple end up having a child, and then these two new people come into the scene, like all of the sudden, and they're suddenly there and relationships are established. And it's like, there's, it seems like parts of the film might be missing. I don't know. It just seemed like a really jarring leap forward. And I didn't get the sense that these new people and the relationships they were supposed to be having, they didn't feel real. And also the relationship with the child, the daughter, didn't feel grounded enough, you know, because the daughter is used as a very central plot hook in the last third of the film. And I'm just like, I, you know, these people are saying this thing about the daughter, but we, we've never seen that. We're, we, that hasn't been established. Um, so it was very difficult for me to make that kind of connection um, between what they were telling us and what we hadn't seen by that point. Um, and, and as such, I think the daughter didn't get enough focus to really be believable as a story hook. Um, these new characters, Michelle and Sam, are are they both new actors, Kevin? Uh, I feel like, feel like mm, is, uh, well, he was the, the intense coach in uh, Beach Spike. Oh, okay, I'm yes, sure that's right. He's actually been a bit actor, is a bit player, uh, been around for a long time, but I, I think the other actress might be one of the new, the new Jing girls. Yes, that's what we call yeah, them. she's Jing, a, definitely a like, Jing uh, girl. Um, yeah. And I think she's, Mainland, right? Because she was dubbed. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think so. Um, she had her little bikini moment. Yeah. Um, just didn't. I. I really didn't feel like it fit with the rest of the movie somehow. 
Um, is it is that the is is his was his buddy the Stephen Chow sound alike guy or was yes Wen Chow yeah, yeah Wen Chow that's um I mean he's like a one trick pony. I mean, it's like every every line he's intentionally trying to deliver is Stephen Chow. And it's just like, I'm kind of tired of it. You know, it, it was funny in like 33D Invader. Um, but I don't know. It's like... The problem is that's the way he talks. No, 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 I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I, it's forced. <laughs> it really sounds forced. It, it really sounds like he's of. just doing a Stephen Chow impression. And I oh, know it reminds me of the thing, the Samuel Jackson thing in Dave Chappelle, where it's like, like, can you stop screaming? And then Sam, Dave Chappelle's like, no, that's the way I talk. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. I think that's his voice. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, it's um, not, it didn't try as hard as Surge Breeding Invader because at least here, he's not trying, they're not quoting Stephen Chow movies. Yeah, they're not quoting, but I just, you know, every time he was on screen, it looked like even he was trying to make his face look more like Stephen Chow. It was just, it, I don't know. I was just like, just be yourself. I mean, just act like yourself. Don't try and riff on Stephen Chow anymore. I mean, he's not making movies. I know we all want him to make movies, but it's not happening. You don't need to be him. Um, Actually, let's go. He's down a lot. And let's go. Yeah, that's true. Have you, yeah. Did you see that yet? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you remember? Yeah, he actually tones that down quite a lot yeah. in the yeah. film. And 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 so yeah, and he's a fine actor, you know. So he doesn't need to do that, um, you know, in, in roles. And I think that's probably just why they're putting him in, unfortunately. Um, so yeah, I, you know, uh, Kenneth asked a question in the chat room. He says, "A shot on video or film? How cheap did Wong Jing go for this one? Uh, sounds like more effort than usual, more intent. I would say for that last part, yeah, it it." It seems like he really put more effort into this, and I don't know. Uh, actually, where did you watch the film, Paul? Uh, Olympic. Yeah. Oh, so you saw? Okay. So I saw what? Yeah, this is the first time I've seen um a Wang Jing movie with digital print. Yeah. A digital print usually is film, and it looks shoddy. But here it's shoddy, but at least it looked clean. So I was quite surprised. It was a digital print. Yeah, I I don't know. Yeah, I thought I mean, it, otherwise I thought... the film the film looks quite look. I mean, otherwise the, look, the film looked quite low budget. I mean, you had the you had like a a hall, like a like an event hall turned into a casino, and then the the scene where the wedding is, you know, clearly is some some you know small restaurant. Yeah, I mean, I guess you could say it was small scale. I don't know if I would say it was cheap though. I think um, it's cheap. I mean, I, I I've seen really cheap Wang Jing sure. stuff, and I wouldn't say that this is really down there. You know, the whole thing where it's supposed to go to Macau, and you know they're in like Hong Kong. I mean, that's it. <laughs> I mean, forget it. They were, they were about to crossing, crossing the, the ocean. Though. All right. Well, I'll, g- I'll give I'll give you that one. Um, but it still yeah. felt like he put more effort into it than a lot of the stuff we've seen in the past year or two, for sure. Um, I would say, for me, it's a see it if you like, typically like Wong Jing and, and stuff, uh, especially if you're, if you're more attuned to some of his earlier work. Um, if you don't know who Wong Jing is, you're probably not going to get a lot of what's going on here. I'd say in that case, just, you know, TV it. Um, it's not the best that he's done, but it's certainly better than, for me, stuff he's done in quite some time. Um, Kevin, how, what's your take? Uh, I, I'm very thankful for this movie. Actually, uh, uh, Wanjing has been, you know, working going between the mainland and Hong Kong, more mainland than Hong Kong, actually, in the last couple of years. So, when this movie came out, he actually wrote that this is, this is very much a local film. 
made for local audiences because he knows that gambling won't won't pass in mainland, um, swearing won't pass in the mainland. So he he did this with clear Hong Kong audience in mind, and I was very glad to be targeted again. Um, yeah, Wang Jingdu is gambling thing. Wang Jing very much loves his gambling films, and he's very famous for it. Uh, and um, the thing is, is, they're not really as clever as they used to be anymore. You know, back then when, you know, he would pull out all these tricks and, you know, these amazing gambling tricks. But here is not, there are at least two or three Mahjong scenes. He's not even trying that hard anymore. Well, you this know, is, I mean, this, but this really isn't, I mean, you know, w- when you think about like God of Gamblers or even all, you know, all for the winner or some of that stuff, that was about fantasy gambling you know that was yeah, like about there perf- was some fantasy that was about professional gamblers and 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 the bluff and all that this is nothing like that this is about two people who just love gambling of all forms and they have you know the, yeah. it, it, so much so that they're kind of like shopaholics you know that they're they're they'll yeah. do anything to gamble on anything um it's not really about Actually, one is really the, good at cards uh, or, or, yeah. or or mahjong or things like that well no but i mean okay the, the horse racing stuff i thought was quite clever all the all the reference to horse racing that was you know funny but yeah. actually they couldn't bother putting together a competent mahjong scene it's like when they start playing mahjong you're expecting some kind of trick or something about you know something you know i don't have to be it doesn't have to be you no know, fast horse spirit where you know andy Lau pulls out you know like a perfect hand like at the first try but there's not even any joke about mahjong itself it turns into some you know slapstick well, i mean um, I, so what what more like, can you do with mahjong Right, I mean, uh, they, 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 they've 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 covered up tile pieces with a piece of rice. I mean, you know, switch, switch, switching tiles with your feet. I mean, no, you know that Wanjing has done much better mahjong, mahjong scenes before. I mean, like, yeah, maybe I don't know. It's just it, for me, yeah. the the gag was not in what are they doing in the game. To, it's not about cheating or, or winning the game. It's about the addiction. It's about the fact that they just want to gamble, right? Yes, but they don't even show them playing it. It turns into some slapstick comedy when they start playing, and it loses focus on the playing itself. I, you know, for movie named Mr. Mrs. Gambler, you expect something about gambling. I mean, there's plenty of certain types. I mean, like horse racing, but the mahjong stuff. Because that's what that's what you know. That's one of Wanting's forte. You know, he made the best Patrick, uh, the best Patrick Save mahjong movie ever, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, this is something that you figure. Okay, come on, a little bit of that. Yeah. But yeah, so I thought I thought it wasn't as clever as his previous films. Um, but I love the, uh, the the humor about with Cantonese words. At least three good good gags that's concerning Cantonese swear words. And I, I thought it was uh, the the actress who plays um, uh, Chamanto's mom. I forget his, her name, but she's essentially playing her character from Fat, Fat Choice Spirit again. Yes, the, yeah. the senile mother who's really good at Mahjong. And she has, she has one of the best like first lines ever. Like I think in, in recent memories. <laughs> we're not going to say it here. Yes, we're not going to say it here. I lost it when you said that. And actually, I mentioned on Twitter earlier this week, Wanjing has has Pan Ho Chern to thank for because it was Pan Ho Chern uh, with Exodus that he broke essentially a barrier that allowed certain, um, a certain amount of Cantonese where those particular words to appear as a two in B. a film before they yeah. get to category three. Yeah. Yes. So, so this film is a 2B, but despite at least three words that three spurs that cannot be heard. Yeah. Um, so I was quite thankful to Pamela and then quite thankful that Wanjing still remembers how to use them. Um, 
the the first half of the film is quite hilarious. I thought uh, I had a lot of fun. Um, it's not a good movie by any means. I mean, again, the writing is really lazy. It depends a lot of narration and you know the whole gags about in you know, the grandmaster is funny, but doesn't really belong to the film. I think it just it was just watching making fun of Wong Kar Wai for the sake of making fun of Wong Kar Wai. Um, but still, the first half I thought is hilarious. But the third act, I think, like we like you talked about, when it slows down, becomes sort of those you know uh, melodrama about the marriage. I thought it didn't work as well. It lost a lot of momentum, even though it had the Indian, the Cantonese speaking Indian guards. I thought they were great too. Yeah, they were good. Um, yes. Uh, and, and how refreshing to not see um, what's his name, uh, you know, the TVB Chibu, guy. Oh, yes. Chibu, uh, yes. Yeah. It, it, it's it's very refreshing to finally see them get some you know some Indian talent i mean not that he's bad but it's like you know he's like um uh, he's not know. the only guy i mean there's yeah. many actually many indian southeast asian uh people southeast asian descent who speak cantonese yeah. in the city yeah but and the gag the gag about writing was 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 a well-made point too though you know when they when they they, they, they there's something written on the wall and they're like why didn't you tell us about this it's like we don't read chinese we only speak it yes <laughs> It's, and actually, I was very glad there was no mean racial humor against these guys. Yeah. Because these guys are the ones who are dishing out the jokes, the punchlines. Yeah. And I, I really like that. Um, instead of being the victim of the punchlines. Um, so it was great. Chairman is, is definitely one of Hong Kong's best comedy actors. You know, when he's working with a good comic director, I really look forward to it. And he was really good here, as always. There's a scene where he, he's arguing in English with Fiona Sid, who actually speaks native English, native level English. Yeah, she was yeah, awesome. awesome. I didn't know she was that good. She went to national school. Her, her, she can't read Chinese. I mean, it's um, uh, yeah, I'm surprised. I'm surprised she hasn't gotten offered more roles in the West. I mean, because she's like, boom. I mean, it was like yeah. clearly fluent. And, yeah, but the uh, problem is that Fiona is not a very good actress. Yeah. That's really the problem here. Yeah, I, 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 I think actually, um, you were mentioning you were looking for more. You were looking forward to more Chapman Tom and Fiona. Actually, they were in five movies together last year, in the past year. They shot five movies together. Have we seen them yet? So don't worry. There's still plenty of... No, not yet. This is the first one, I think. Yeah. So there's still plenty of Chapman and Fiona movies coming mm -hmm. out. Actually, they, they work really well together, like you said. I don't remember if they... They didn't share the screen in the comedy who made, right? I think they only shared a few scenes together. But at least they had that history. And uh, clearly, they, they get along very well. And they have really good chemistry. Even though they're kind of like Lewis Kuhn and Sandra Ng, where you can never truly buy them. Yeah as a romantic couple yeah but somehow here and and here it's true you don't buy them ever as a romantic couple and actually explain why they're together um not particularly well but at least it's explained uh so at least that it doesn't you know it's not too far from reality but um yeah like you said they like you said they have very good chemistry together but fiona i think she's only okay she's trying but i think she still has a long way to go before becoming like a like a good actress or anything like that um but here's really for supporting cast. Uh, Lockhart Young, like you're saying, is great. Um, even one child was funny enough. Uh, the, the, of course, the mother, the, the woman played the mother, uh, Jimmy Me, who also who plays Fiona's mother. I mean, all these side actors who come up, uh, I think they finally got something meaty to do here instead of just, you know, playing a side character. Uh, I thought they were hilarious, and I thought they were they were the best one of the best Wanjing supporting cast I've seen in a long time. And actually, Wanjing has been wasting his supporting cast mm. for a long time. So um, I think it's the best Wanjing local comedy in years. Yeah, I'm not sure it was the last really local Wanjing movie that we really had this much fun with, but it's not really that good of a movie. Let's face it. I mean, lazy writing, sloppy direction, cheap production value. These are nothing new for Wanjing movies. But you know, I laughed and I had a good time. So. 
watching fans should see it. And like you said, you know, everyone else probably TV it or even skip it if you can't, if you don't know anything about watching films and yeah. not use this type of comedy. Yeah. It's not, not the film to start Wong Jing with. Definitely not. Yeah. The East is Blue. Wait, what? All right, so um, this week, I'm going to throw the ball over to Kevin, and he's going to talk to us about the Life Without Principle Blu-ray, which just got released earlier this week. I actually, or was it late last week? I don't, I forget, but I went to the store to pick it up, and uh, they were sold out, and she said, oh, you need to come back on Friday. We'll have more in then. So, oh. um, Kevin, what can you tell us about Life? I mean, we talked about the film, I want to say back in November, and uh, I think we both really liked it, and... and what it did in terms of representing, uh, you know, uh, a, a true Hong, a true version of uh, Hong Kong and and Hong Kongers' attitudes about money. I, I think we talked about the commemorative note that was released by the Bank of China, right? And uh, you know how it's all about people are just lined up and crazy speculating over these 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 collectible notes right now. Um, and that kind of reminded me a little bit of of some of the attitudes in Life Without Principle. Uh, but you're going to tell us a little bit about the Blu-ray and some of the features. Yeah. Um, it's not a very packed Blu-ray. I mean, the the movie itself looks nice. I, I think it looked even nicer than what we saw in theaters. I'm not sure. Uh, but it looked very nice. It sounded fine. Um, so typical, you know, Johnny Toe Blu-ray material. But uh, one of the more uh, interesting special features, I mean, aside from the um, seven-minute making of, which I think was not subtitled in English, is nine minutes of deleted scenes. Um, deleted scenes are actually quite rare, for Hong Kong films, because you don't really get to see these footage. But here, it includes the entire subplot that was cut from the film. It's about, it takes about seven, eight minutes or so, because there's about two minutes of extra stuff that was not part of the subplot. But this subplot essentially is if it's about the Richie Yuan character, uh, who is a policeman, um, and it's about his superior, who um, who swallowed, who essentially took home a bunch of evidence money and spent it and now can't cough up the money, so he's in trouble. So there's the seven-minute subplot. It's about how Richie and deals with his, superior, his now corrupted superior. And it's actually it's quite an interesting subplot. It, it, it thematically fits with the film very well. Um, I can't say that... I can't understand why it's cut. I mean, the film is already 110 minutes long, 107 minutes long, so... And actually, parts of it because the whole, all the stuff is from the police station set. So it feels like something from a PTU spinoff instead of um, instead of part of the film. And I guess I can see why Johnny Toe want to uh, veer away from the cop material and, and, and stick closer to his grassroots character or yeah, his everyday characters. So it's actually quite an interesting subplot and it's worth watching, even though it's not subtitled in English. It's only subtitled in Chinese. Hmm. Um, but it's an interesting addition to the movie. The the, the video scenes also include, I think, what appears to be an alternate ending scene. Um, if you remember in the beginning of the movie, uh, the first scene of the movie is an old guy entering a bank and he sees the red and green line in the bank. Um, the film ends with a child entering the bank and now seeing the bank split into three lines. Um, uh, one for, I think, like uh, investment, one for, you know, regular everyday banking needs, and one for high high, high roller, essentially, high yeah. roller banking. Yeah. So it's, it's quite a statement. It could have been, I could I could imagine it as, as a uh, original ending scene. Uh, I can't say it's a better ending scene than what we got in the original film, um, but it's interesting to see what Giant Toe had in mind during his reissue yeah. uh, for the film. 
but yeah, I, I think it's it's uh, the film looks good. The film is good. I felt um, apparently not many people just like it as we did, like as much as we did. But you know, interesting features. Mm. So uh, yeah, that's would be that would be my Blu-ray recommendation this week. All right. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to picking it up. You know, your point about the the bank lines that's already a rea- reality. Um, at least for HSBC, they've got <laughs> the standard bank line, which is like what all the new, if you sign up for a new account and you don't have any money with them, have. Then they've got what they call the, I think it's the Smart Vantage or Power Vantage account, where you have to have like over, you know, so many hundred thousand, um, including MPF. So right. I've just, I think like last year, I just got into that second category just because of Ooh. MPF, you know. Um, and then there's the third category, which I want to say is Premier. And if you're Premier, you go to an entirely different building with like really comfy sofas and they give you one-on-one service. And you have to have like, you know, mil- you know a million dollars in an account with them to, to, pr- to be qualified for that level. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's the way that Hong Kong banks typically are i mean i'm i guess most banks are like that i mean in the u.s i'm I'm sure that if you've got you know if you're like warren buffett and you've got you know millions in different accounts that you get you know preferential treatment um but it's really much more open and apparent you know when i go into my banks in the u.s when i go into like uh uh chase you know it's not that apparent you know that they're they're they don't know who you are when you walk in the door and there's no real Oh, you go to this line or you go to this line, kind of a thing. Um, yeah, there's no there's no punishment if you're poor. Yeah. yeah, but it's 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 very much you know, this is the line for you, poor guy. Uh, this this is where you're at in uh, Hong Kong. You're listening to the East Screen West Screen podcast. Visit Kongcast.com for more. Let's see. Any comments? No, we just got one comment from Dave. Said he liked the last show. He Thank also you, said Dave. he got his uh, his uh, his Blu-ray in, I think, of uh, East Meets West, and he really enjoyed it, which uh, I was glad to hear. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's. I think that's going to wrap things up. If you would like to be a part of the show uh, here with us, you can always uh, find us in a variety of ways. You can catch us on iTunes. You can you know leave us um, some comments or a short review over there. And that would help us out in the iTunes rankings somehow. Um, of course, you can follow us on Twitter. The Twitter.com uh, for the show is uh, Twitter.com slash Kongcast. Um, for myself, it's Twitter.com slash Foxlore. And for Mr. Ma, it's Twitter.com slash The Golden Rock as one word. And you can always email us directly at the show at Gmail through eScreen at gmail.com. And if you'd like, you can attach a short audio file, send us a comment, a question, short review, and we might just play it here on the show. Um, Of course, we would encourage you to go to our website at concast.com and just participate in some of the discussion going on there because the guys get into some interesting, you know, back and forth debates about different people and different movies. And uh, it's it's a good place to, you know, have some engagement. Kevin, what's going on in your life this week? Um, 
I'm doing a lot of freelance stuff. I'm writing for the Une Far East Film Festival this week. Um, so not too much blogging and reviewing going on. I'm still trying to write my review of Love Is Not Blind, which opens on March 1st here in Hong Kong, so I better get it done. Um, but otherwise, there, I wrote a blog entry last weekend. You can read more about the Henry Tang controversy um, on my blog, The Golden Rock. That's at www.lovehkfilm.com. Click on The Golden Rock on the right bar on the right side. Um, also, I should be writing on a blog entry when I'm done with all these work. Uh, otherwise, yeah, that's all I got now these days. Yeah, I don't have a yeah. I'm no longer professional film critic. So, so you're gonna have plenty of time to download uh, a Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney and play it on your iOS device. Yes, yes, but pro provided <laughs> provided I can uh, fix my desktop computer and and, and fix everything. And yeah. when I'm not stressed about stressed about that anymore, I'll I'll take care of that one. All right. Uh, of course, you can always listen to us on Stitcher. Uh, you can listen to us on your iPhone, your Android phone, your BlackBerry, and your WebOS phones. Stitcher is smart radio for your phone. Find it in your app store or at stitcher.com. Stitcher Smart Radio, the smarter way to listen to radio. And we thank them for their support of our little show. Uh, additional thanks go out to Rob Gobbers of Snauzer Studios for our theme. Ross Chen of lovehkfilm.hong Kong. <laughs> I can't talk tonight. That is lovehkfilm.com. Um, and of course, please stop by to the, to his website, uh, to take part in his poll. If you liked Hong Kong movies of the eighties, um, you know, it's a good chance to, uh, get your thoughts out there and, and see where the films that you enjoy rank with, uh, amongst the, the rest of people. Have you, have you participated in that, Mr. Ma? Um, sadly, I am not as knowledgeable in, eighties uh, Hong Kong cinema as many people out there on the internet uh, are. You're um, just a baby. You know, world. I am just a baby. So unfortunately, I would not be partaking in this, uh, you know, in fear of, you know, skewing the vote. So mm. I will be sitting back and hopefully the list will give me a good guide as to yeah. what movies I should be watching. Yes, I think it will definitely do that. I, you know, I did my list and maybe I'll talk about that in an upcoming show once the the polling gets closed because I, I, I don't want to maybe, you know, influence the polling by by revealing what I what I put in at this point. But um you know, it was it was difficult for me because I, I, I submitted twenty, but when I came up with my original list, um I think like maybe half of them were like in nineteen eighty nine. You know, and I'm thinking, you know, I can't I can't put in a list with all these movies you know, just from the these couple of years. I wanted it to be more of a more representative representative of, you know, the whole period. Um, so then what I did is I went through, I got the list from the Hong Kong Film Archive, and I wow. went through, you know, all of the films of the 80s, and I picked out at least two films from each year that were my favorites of that year, and then I tried to organize my list that way. And that meant I had to, you know, leave out some films that are really big favorites of mine, but I think it gave me a more representative list of that whole period rather than just like this you know the tail end of the 80s let's say yeah um actually it, it, for i do want to i'm not you know particularly knowledgeable in 80s Hong Kong cinema, but i do want to campaign a little bit uh for those who hasn't who haven't voted yet still putting together lists if you are going to you know try taking out a john Woo movie or two and think about alan fong there are you know hong kong new wave directors like enhui alan fong um you know those works Catch them if you can, 
you might reconsider because those there are some truly brilliant films from those new wave directors in yeah. that decade. Yes. Yeah. And there's a lot of stuff that you just can't find too. I mean, yeah. As I was going through that list, I'm like, never heard of that one. Never heard of that one. Yeah. Never I mean, heard like, of that one. Ying. Ying's one of the most acclaimed films in the '80s. Yeah. Where is that movie? Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, please stop by to lovehkfilm.com and participate in that. Uh, so thanks to Ross for doing that and keeping us out, you know, watching movies. And uh, I think a little bird told me uh, it's a birthday or something like that this week. Yeah, it's uh, a close birthday. Yeah, get, getting up there. Uh, so uh, thanks to him. Thanks to Kevin, of course, for sticking with me for 99 shows and yeah. counting. And of course, thanks to all of you, the listeners, for sticking around with us for this very long ride that we've had so far. Next show, episode 100, I have no idea what we're going to be talking about. Um, There's a party music. You know, I, I, I think we're just going to wing it. We'll have a call-in show. What do you think? <laughs> yeah. Well, next week we will, just to give us some structure, we will be talking about the Taiwanese film, Love. Um, maybe. Chi. Maybe. Yay. Maybe. Maybe. I'm having a little bit of a different idea for next week's show. Uh-oh. Uh, since, Uh-oh. you know, it is it will be episode 100, and it, that show will be on Wednesday, the 29th of, yeah. uh, of next week. We're on a leap year, so we're going to have it episode 100 on a leap day, and uh, I don't know what we're going to do right now. We might just have an, a, a normal show as usual, but I think I might throw in some, some different things as well. We'll see. We're going to have to uh, talk after this story. Yeah. Because <laughs> I have no idea what you... I would like to have some idea what's going on. Too. Yeah. I Well, so. I, you have as much as, as I do right now, but I, I don't know. <laughs> I, my brain is uh, my brain is uh, kicking in different ideas Cause, at the moment. Because I'm like, I'm like, ooh, what, what, what are you going to... What are we going to do? I'm, I'm quite excited, actually. <laughs> I am. All right. So all of that and much more on our next show. Until then, this is East Screen, West Screen, wishing you good viewing, and we will see you all next week. See y'all next week for 100. I, I, I don't know what we're gonna do next week. I'm 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 hoping to just call a bunch of people and have them come on and and talk about stuff. We're gonna have the extravaganza, the extreme extravaganza. Yeah, well, we'll call it the the boring talking show because we're not really doing anything. I, I don't know. We'll the see. Shooting the shooting the shooting the breeze. Yeah. Matthew says two hours of Michael Wong audio drops. Yeah. That's, yes. That that'll be. That'll be awesome. I like this one. Thank you.